The text for this morning's service is from Ephesians chapter 5, the verses 19 and 20. I chose this text with a view to Thanksgiving tomorrow. But let us also read, um, starting from verse 15, for the context. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then comes the text for this morning. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 63, the stanzas 2 and 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, recently there was an article in the Reader's Digest dealing with thankfulness. The article states that science is now proving that feeling grateful can actually make us healthier. It says that the thankful person will sleep better, exercise more, and feel more optimistic. The thankful person is also more alert and active. The article began by relating a story of a man who became somewhat depressed after he moved to a large North American city. He came there full of optimism and enthusiasm. He thought that since he was a talented person, he would end up with a high-paying job and with a challenging position. But he soon realized that that was not to be. Instead, he ended up with a low-paying job, hardly able to make ends meet. He didn't think that he had much to be thankful for. But then he went for a walk and decided to count things that would make him happy. He just wanted to see how many pleasant things he came across. First, he came across a woman with a baby in a stroller. And he said, that little face just made me smile. And then he saw a jet in the sky. Flying had always captivated him. And so that made him happy too. And so it went. He discovered many, many things to be thankful for. And he found that his mood had totally changed. And so he made it to practice to look for things to be thankful for every day. And so doing changed his whole outlook on life. He became very successful and a happy and productive member of society. The article says that it has been scientifically proven that being grateful has great benefits, not only for the person himself, but also for those people with whom that person comes into contact. Those who have learned to be grateful were less materialistic and therefore more willing to part with their possessions. 
Such people are also less depressive, envious, and anxious, and much more likely to help others. They are also, as I said, much healthier, and they are a pleasure to be around. However, although the article tells us about all kinds of things that we should be thankful for, it doesn't state to whom we should be thankful. It is good and well to be thankful for all kinds of things, but who gives you these things? Who gives you life? Who gives life to a baby? Who lights up the sky with the sun and the moon and the stars? Who makes the crop? to grow. All a farmer has to do is put the seed into the ground. Who does the rest? Who made that seed in the first place? Who sent the rain? Who sends the sunshine? As Christians, we are not just concerned about our earthly, temporal well-being, but we are concerned about our eternal well-being. It is not just a horizontal relationship that we are concerned about, but especially a vertical relationship, a relationship with the Lord our God. If you want to be thankful, you cannot leave God out of the picture. And that's also what Paul says here in this text. He tells us not only to be thankful, but also to whom we must be thankful. He says... Give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's also the theme for this morning's service. And then we will see that we must give thanks to him in the first place always, and in the second place for everything. And so the theme is, give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, we must give thanks to him always. Paul says that we must give thanks to God the Father. For us, it is normal to refer to our God as our Father. After all, that is how the Lord Jesus has taught us in his perfect prayer. And so that's also how we address God. But this is something totally new for the New Testament believers. The Jews rarely, if ever, referred to God as their father. They would reserve that name only for their own earthly fathers or perhaps for their rabbi. To call, to call God your father is much too intimate. And yet that is what Paul does. For he says to the Galatians in chapter 4, the verses 6 through 7, Through the Holy Spirit you can call God Abba, Father, for, says he, you are no longer a slave but a son, and since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. Because we have been adopted as God's children, we may therefore call God our Father. That term indicates childlike intimacy and trust. How did we become children of God? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why Paul says that we must give thanks to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know someone's name, then doors are opened. You often get ahead in life not so much because of what you know, but because of who you know. 
If you are on intimate terms with the boss of the company, then you are much more likely to get a job at that company or to get a promotion. Or if you know a rich philanthropist, then you are much more likely to receive some money or favor from him than if you are a stranger to him. And if other people know that you are on intimate terms with an influential person, then they will also want to use you in order to get favors from that person. Just ask the lobbyists to governments how important it is to know names. Well, through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, you may be on intimate terms with the Almighty God, the creator of all things. You may call him your father, your father in heaven, because he is the one who causes you to be born. And he is the one who provides you with everything that you need. It is for that reason that we also give thanks to him at mealtime. And that we give thanks to him on special occasions, such as birthdays or anniversaries. Every good gift comes from God, for he is the source, the support, and the end of all things. The very breath in our mouths is a free gift from God. Thankfulness is the opposite of selfishness. The selfish person says, I deserve what comes to me. Other people ought to make me happy. But the mature Christian realizes that life is a gift from God and that blessings of life come only from his bountiful hand. We thank God especially for deliverance. That is what Israel did after they were rescued in the desert from the Egyptians when the Lord God led them through the Red Sea on dry land. In Exodus 15, we read how they composed a song of praise and of thanksgiving to God for their deliverance. And But we of all people should thank God for our deliverance. From what have we been delivered? From eternal condemnation, from hell, from hopelessness, from despair. We have been given the promise of eternal life and the resurrection from the dead. And who delivered us from all these things? The Lord Jesus Christ. And so you and I, we of all people, have something to be thankful about and for. And isn't that also something to sing about? Indeed. And therefore, Paul says in verse 19 that we should speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That we should sing and make music in our hearts to the Lord. If there is one thing that can get your spirits up, it is singing to the Lord. In some homes, there is a lot of music. How wonderful. Music is tonic to the soul. Music has a great calming effect. It affects the emotions. Paul uses three words, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Not all commentators agree as to what these three designations refer to. Are these three words synonyms, or are they three different categories of songs? It's not clear. What is clear is that a psalm points to a song with accompaniment, 
and that a hymn often indicates a song for a choir, and that spiritual songs refer to songs prompted by the Spirit. However, we do not know exactly what songs Paul is referring to. We, knew, we do know something about the content of these songs, and that is made more clear from a parallel text in Colossians 3, verse 16, where Paul says, Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. By referring here to the words of Christ, most commentators come to the conclusions that these songs, these three different types of songs, refer not only to the Old Testament Psalms, but also that they are songs in which the works of salvation through Jesus Christ are expressed. For he refers here to the words of Christ, that the words of Christ dwell in you richly. And so these songs have their origin in the Word of God as we find it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are some families who are very musical and who sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs all the time in their homes. And that's wonderful. It is wonderful to express your thankfulness to God in this way. When you sing praises to God, and you cannot be negative. When I was a little boy, I remember that my sister would burst out in a song whenever she heard some cross words being spoken in our home. As soon as she started singing a psalm or a hymn, the acrimony would stop. Singing praises to God reminds us of His presence. It reminds us of God's goodness and mercy and faithfulness. Try that next time you feel depressed and miserable. But make sure that the words you do sing are in accordance with the words of Christ. As you know, Christ himself is revealed in John 1 verse 1 as the word. Our psalms and hymns and spiritual songs must find ourselves in must find their content in the word of God. We read in Psalm 72, verse 20, that our psalms are the same as prayers. For it says there, this concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. And these prayers refer to the preceding psalms. Prayers are the same as psalms. Just like our prayers have to be in accordance with God's word, so do our psalms. Therefore, it is wrong to sing hymns. Therefore, if it is wrong to sing hymns that are based on the word of God in a worship service, then it would also be wrong to recite prayers which are also based on the word of God. Our prayers are not exact duplications of Old Testament prayers either. No, they are based on God's revealed word. And the same thing must be true of our hymns. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we must express our thankfulness and joy in every way that we can. Some people are very appreciative by nature. It is hard for such people not to be thankful. They are usually upbeat kind of people. Others have a hard time being positive and thankful. They look at life negatively. 
This could be because of a genetic disposition or because of their upbringing or because of other reasons. Negative people usually have a lot of personal problems. It is especially those kinds of people who need to be reminded to give thanks to God always. Grouchy, unappreciative people are joy killers. I remember once when I was a teenager that a young lady who had recently become a new convert came out of church doing a joyful and playful little dance. But then she got rebuked by an older sister in the Lord. She told her sternly not to do that. And you could just see the joy drain from her face. The young lady was happy because of the newfound joy she had in the Lord. Of course, in our worship, we have to be dignified. But you can be dignified in your joy as well. As we know from 2 Samuel 6 verse 14, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, it says there, when the ark was brought into Jerusalem. For David knew what the ark represented, namely the manifestation of God's presence. And David wanted to express his joy. But then what does his wife Michael, who was the daughter of Saul, do? Well, she ridiculed David. And so she stole his joy, for she rebuked him for making a fool of himself. And as a result, the Lord punished her, and she had no children. It says there in 1 Samuel 16, she had no children until the day of her death. The Lord God wants us to express our joy. And why? Well, because that expresses our thankfulness. It shows it. And we can express our joy, our thankfulness anywhere. There is never an inappropriate time that we cannot sing praises to God. We can sing during joyful occasions and during sad occasions. We can express our thanks to God before a game of sport or express our thanks to God with song of thanksgiving before a difficult task. That's also what God's people did, for example, before battle. We read in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 21 that Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. They sang this song, all of them, before battle. But as the text says, it has to be from the heart. The Lord does not listen to the sound of your voice, how beautiful it is, but he listens to the beat of your heart, whether or not it beats for him. You have to believe the words that you sing. The words have to well up from inside of you. And therefore, you also have to understand the words of the song or the hymn. It is a good thing that the songs in our book of praise are currently undergoing a new translation. Many of the words and expressions in there are archaic and not easy to grasp, especially for young people and for new converts. We have to express our joy with words that we ourselves understand. And then we have to give thanks for everything. We come to the second point. I heard of a minister who was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always had something to be thankful for. 
One Sunday morning, the weather was stormy and dark. It was very gloomy and miserable outside. And then one of the elders said, I wonder if the minister will be able to thank God for anything on a day like this. It's awful outside. But much to his surprise, the minister began that worship service by praying, We thank you, O Lord, that it is not always like this. The minister understood what it means to give thanks for everything. Because the same God who rules the universe when times are good is the same God who rules the universe when times are not so good. And he has his own purposes for everything. He promises us in his word that he will turn to our good whatever adversity comes our way. But it doesn't mean that God intends us to be thankful for everything that happens. But he does expect us to be thankful in everything that happens. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 18, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks, and here it comes, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to give thanks in everything? Well, when you're involved in a car accident, and then you don't thank God for the accident, but you do thank God that you weren't hurt more severely. And when you have dirty dishes, and then you don't thank God for the dirt, but you thank God for the food that you had to eat. Thankfulness is hard for us. There are so many things we don't like. A six-year-old boy was once asked to give thanks before a Thanksgiving dinner. Everybody bowed their heads in anticipation. In his prayer, he gave the Lord God thanks for many things, including his friends, naming them one by one, and all the members of his family, naming them as well. And then he began to thank God for the food. He gave thanks for the turkey, for the dressing, for the fruit salad and the dessert. And then he paused, and everybody waited. After a long silence, the young boy looked up at his mother and asked, If I thank the Lord for broccoli, won't he know I'm lying? It's our nature to want to thank the Lord for the things we enjoy only. But there are many other not-so-pleasant things that are nevertheless good for us, that we, should give, that we should also give God thanks for, even if we don't appreciate them at the moment. You all know who Jonah was, don't you? He was swallowed up by the big fish. But while Jonah was in the fish, not knowing what was going to happen to him, whether or not he was going to live or die, he nevertheless gave thanks to him right in the belly of the fish. He prayed, as we read in Jonah 2 verse 9, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. That was his prayer. In spite of the terrible position he found himself in, he nevertheless expressed his faith in the Lord. He knew that one way or the other, God would deliver him. For he is the God of all creation. He is the one who is in control of all things. And Paul was also keenly aware of that. He says in Philippians 4 that he gives thanks to God in all circumstances. 
He knows what it is to be in want, he says there, and what it is to have plenty. In all these things, he gives thanks to God. And he said these things while he was in prison. He even found it to be a blessing that God put him into prison. For listen to what he says in Philippians 1, verse 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, brothers, he says, that what has happened to me has really, has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. He realized that even in the most miserable circumstances, God has a purpose. The Lord uses his imprisonment to bring others to faith. Paul gives thanks in all circumstances, even for the things that are withheld from him. He prayed, for example, to the Lord that the thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, be removed from him. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 12. To keep me from being becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Whenever Paul had a problem, he always find a way, found a way to give thanks to the Lord. He totally trusted in God that whatever came his way, no matter what, that the Lord would turn it to his good. Some people do nothing but complain. And, they may, and then we may think that they complain because they have so many problems. But the truth is that they have a lot of problems because they complain so much. Indeed, as the article in Reader's Digest says, thankful people have a lot fewer problems. They're healthier. They have better relationships. But they're only speaking here about physical and mental health and not about our spiritual health. And they're only speaking about personal relationship with people and not with God. You cannot be spiritually healthy if you do nothing but complain. We have those kinds of people amongst us as well. They grumble and complain and have little good to say about other members of the church and about the elders and the deacons and about the minister. And they complain about this and that. You don't hear a positive word from them. They believe that truth demands that they point out whenever there is something wrong. And after the worship service, you can see them whispering with fellow complainers in the corner about all the things that are wrong. Well, it's true, we don't have a perfect church. There is something wrong with each and every one of us. But that includes all of us, including the complainer. The Lord teaches us, first of all, to look at the log in our own eyes before we look at the speck of dust in our brother's eye. Give thanks. Be grateful. 
Give thanks always and for everything. There is lots to be thankful for, especially here within this church. For you see, in this word, in this church, God's word is proclaimed. This is where you can hear about your salvation. This is where you can hear about and experience the forgiveness of sins. This is where you can hear about God's great love for his creation, about his great love for you. Do you know how you show yourself to be a thankful person? When you praise God enthusiastically from the heart every day. You are a thankful person when you spend time with him in prayer. You are a thankful person when you forgive others. You are a thankful person when you serve here in God's church. You are a thankful person when you share with others God's plan of salvation. You are a thankful person when you reach out to hurting people. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, be healthy. Be spiritually healthy. Give thanks to God always and in everything. Amen.